Welcome to the Enlightened Practice Podcast, brought to you by the Luminello Electronic Medical Record folks. Here are your hosts, Dr. Ken Braslow and Dr. Carrie Kagan. Hi, Carrie. Welcome back to the podcast. Hi, Ken. Thanks for having me. Sure. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you, too. So we're going to start off the new year by talking about change and growth in your administrative life. <laughs> Not the most exciting topic, potentially, but uh, today I was thinking we could be talking about the process of switching electronic health records and yeah. what to do if you find yourself with a vendor who you don't want to continue with for whatever reason and the challenges in switching over to a new EHR and kind of the the logistical challenges, uh, psychological challenges, time challenges, mm -hmm. and how to think that through so our listeners can decide if that's um, a decision that they want to go through with. So mm -hmm. uh, first, let's start off. Have you ever switched uh, EHRs? Yes, I have switched EHRs. Um and um i it it you know i could i will be the first to say that it definitely is um a process um it can be a big undertaking just depending on the size of your practice how many years you've been in practice um but you know i i could say without a doubt it's worth it if um it's going to increase the efficiency of your practice and your business um, so it's definitely a short-term pain for long-term gain, um, experience, and it is important to maintain that long-term perspective if you do decide to switch, because it will definitely make your life easier in the long run, but it can mean giving more time and energy in the short run to make it happen. Yeah. I wish there was a switch that could be flicked and data could seamlessly uh, go through the, the invisible ether and come into another platform. Um, we'd love to have that at Lumina <laughs> so people could switch to us that easily, but um, we get that it's a process and that it takes a lot of planning and thoughtfulness to it. And so I thought today we'd go through kind of the pros and cons of uh, the various aspects of it. And I was thinking that there's multiple things that you should be looking for broadly in an EMR or an EHR. Uh, one of them would be um, functionality. Uh, of course, does it do what you need it to do? But, but not just basic functionality, but how are the workflows designed? Do they anticipate how you think about the administrative needs as your practice? So that way, when you get up and running with a system, it doesn't drain you of energy. You know, if you have workflows that are not intuitive, then it hurts your brain. You have to Google the answer or go look in the support site or just click around a lot. And that's pretty painful. And so I think when any uh, clinician is evaluating any EHR EMR to begin with or to switch to, uh, thinking about not just uh, how powerful it is, but how how graceful that power is, you know, how efficient it is, how few clicks you can accomplish a task in is really meaningful. Right. So I'm curious what, uh, when you were switching your EHR, what were you thinking about? 
um, what drew you to your new EHR? Yeah, I was thinking about what would work for my practice, like really similar to what you're describing. I wanted something that was efficient, <laughs> like efficient, easy, as effortless as possible, because, you know, at the core of what we of what I do, I'm a clinical psychologist, and I want to be able to spend my time focused on that, not on the admin side of things. And so that was my priority It's just something that could make the admin side of things as simple and easy as possible. Um, and then also, I was looking for um, um, ease in terms of like the transition. So you know, a lot of EHRs have the support to help make the transition because many people do transfer. And so that was something, you know, again, it kind of goes under the same umbrella as just like make everything as easy as possible, including the transfer itself. So I was looking for support features and making the transition. Um, um, and I think you summarized it well when you said intuitive, just something that was, yeah, it didn't, it didn't require looking up a lot of frequently asked questions to figure out how to do some basic stuff like scheduling or creating a note or something like that. That makes sense. I think going along with that is if you do have questions, having really top-notch customer support, hopefully they never need to answer anything. And, you know, kind of like the Maytag repairman who's just always sitting around, has uh, nothing to fix, so he's pretty bored. Um, you know, that's the ideal. But inevitably questions come up and feeling like you can ask a question and it doesn't just go into the ether and it takes a year and a half to hear back. So, right. you know, you want fast response time, but you also want uh, well-trained customer service. You know, the challenge with customer service is those folks are not clinicians. They know the software or they can learn the software, but they don't know how clinicians like us think. And so the amount of training that a customer service team gets into how clinicians think is pretty evident from when you get started because you'll get two different kinds of answers. If they're just well-trained in the software, you'll get uh, basic answers of how to do things, but if they're well-trained in how clinicians think, you'll get answers about what makes most sense for you and your practice about mm -hmm. how to use that feature. Yeah. Um, the other thing is that um, some folks like um, more kind of official training. They don't want to learn everything new on their own. So what we find is um, that there's, there's two kind of two different segments of clinicians. One, they just don't even talk to them. They'll just click around. They'll figure it out. And then others who want webinars and they want uh, kind of a custom one-on-one uh, -on -one training experience. And so that's something that's worthwhile that you should be looking for as you think about, um, you yeah, know, how are you going to, yeah, how are you going to wrap your mind around this new endeavor? And, um, and I'll just say one final point is it's not just about you. It's also about if you're in a group of clinicians, how easy it is for the biller to learn it. Is there training for the biller and or the scheduler? And then also for your clients and your patients, what is their experience like? Because the HR is ex an extension of your practice. That's mm -hmm. where they'll be presumably logging into 
pay their bills or book appointments and things like that. And if the experience is intuitive and uh, graceful for them, uh, that only can serve to help your practice. And if it's painful for them or they run into bugs, you're going to hear about it. And right. that gets you uh, off your game. Right. Those are all good points. Yeah. So uh, let's talk a little bit about how you, how much time did you spend in transitioning and, and how did you think about uh, getting your information over from your old system to your new system? Um, yeah, it is quite an investment of time to, to do this. I mean, you can, you can, you can take it in chunks or you can do it all at once. Um, so it, you know, to make it feel more manageable for you. And I kind of did a combination when I personally, um, made the transfer. So just because I was actually curious to learn the new system and the HR, I initially took a chunk of time out of a day, um, to personally create some of the charts and, um, play around with note templates and stuff like that to kind of customize it to the way I wanted. Um, and I did, you know, several charts in a row to mostly like basically for myself to invest the time in, in getting the practice to uh, eventually get to that point where it felt more effortless and efficient to make it as efficient as possible. Um, so I did that initially when I was making the transfer, but then, but then, because, you know, especially if you're seeing a lot of clients, it can take quite a, a lot of time to do that. I just kind of, uh, did it as I, I like set up charts and customized things the way I wanted to, as I went after I saw different clients. Um, and, um, and that felt more manageable to me just to take it slow. Uh, and there really isn't a huge urgency to, to get everyone in at once. You really can just go client by client as you see them. Um, and I think, you know, this is also why it's helpful to inquire as to whether or not the HR has a customer support um, to assist with the transfer, because I think they can also do things to make it easier to transfer, like create charts for you and input different data points from your previous chart into it. Um, so that's something to, you know, make sure you look into before you decide to make the switch, because that can make it go much smoother and quicker. Um, yeah. That makes sense. I, uh, of course, I'm biased in talking about switching EMRs since uh, I founded Luminello. But I will say that I myself had to switch EMRs from my previous EMR to Luminello and as uh, customer number one. And the previous EMR I was using did not make it easy uh, for me because they really had no incentive to. And I use the process of me switching over to start to inform how we could make the process go better for other other clinicians switching over. But my experience was that I did end up keeping my old uh, EHR subscription for a couple of months uh, just because I didn't want the pressure of having to do everything in one marathon weekend. Although uh, we do have some users who tell us they do just 
uh, spend a whole weekend and or take a day off from work and and they're done uh, I didn't want to go that route so like you I I invested m more time in the beginning and making sure that it was actually uh, met the standards that I needed for my own clinical practice and then over time as I saw uh, patients just normally in the course of my practice at the beginning of the day i would make sure that their charts were set up and ready to go and what i ended up doing was i would copy i'm sorry i'd have my old system open and luminello open and i would just copy my most recent note from my old system into my it became the first note in luminello so that way at least i had that and then when I had more time, I would download a PDF of the old chart and upload a PDF um, into the, the current chart. And so it was uh, painful, but it wasn't instant. You couldn't snap your fingers and just make all the data appear. Uh, but it, it worked pretty well, and I used it as an opportunity in session. I would say to patients, you know, I'm switching systems. I just want to make sure. I have all your correct info and actually there were a bunch of people who had moved and I didn't even know and you know it was a good opportunity to make sure all of their demographic info all of their insurance info was actually correct it's probably something I should be doing more anyway and so I I kind of folded those um, in into the process and I had patients go in and uh, update their own info sometimes if we were running out of time in session and I didn't want to burn the time uh, in session to do it but uh, mostly it wasn't the most painful process in the world because I set that myself up to not get overwhelmed with it I think that's really important is it's a nice feeling to have everything neat and tidy and wrapped up in a day but it's maybe not realistic for most people and if you put yourself under that pressure then it's not going to feel good inside. It should be, you should go at the rate that feels right for you, but it's fine for it to be a process and to take some time. And that helped yeah. me uh, relieve my anxiety about switching from my own yeah. system. Yeah. And I, and I agree too on the point that it was actually a good opportunity to just, you know, refresh charts and to make sure everything was all the information was correct. And even sometimes to like review old notes. And it was actually just like a, a total, it like was a professional development experience too, mm -hmm. from a clinical perspective. So it, it, yeah, I think it has, it, while there are challenges, I think the benefits far outweigh it in terms of not just like, you know, just uh, checking in on each client in that kind of way that we don't usually do necessarily. Um, uh, but also, of course, the long-term benefit of hopefully having a charting system that works much better for you. What did you do with the charts for clients who you weren't, weren't seeing any longer? Yeah, that's a really good question. So what I personally did is keep them in the former EHR that I was using and this system that I was using before allowed for that. So I could just keep my login um, information. And if I, as a psychologist, you have to maintain records for seven years after you stop seeing someone. So for anyone that I had stopped seeing, if for some reason I needed access to their records, I could just log into my old EHR system. But I know that some people might not be able to do that. And I think, 
I mean, this would be a, a good thing to discuss with the potential new HR you're switching to, but I'm pretty sure a possible solution for that is to download um, a PDF of the whole chart um, and save it either in in the new chart or, or sorry, yeah, in the new EHR or just even in a HIPAA compliant um, folder uh, so you have access to it. Because it is, yeah, it is important to hold on to old records. I mean, be in compliance with, with whatever is required um, of your profession. Uh, and I think that that's actually pretty easy to do, just downloading a PDF. Yeah, I'd say you really have to think about uh, what function does it serve to transfer over uh, old charts and other than for regulatory reasons. If you're really not actively working with them, it's going to make the process much smoother. If you break it down into current charts and old charts, and I think it'll be a lot less overwhelming um, to, to just focus on current charts. Um, so just briefly touch on the HIPAA compliance uh, part of what you said, because I think it's really important. Um, if you're going to download PDFs from your old EHR, you, I mean, you could just store them on your hard drive. That would be you know, the simplest, but you've got to make sure that your hard drive is encrypted. And with um, Macs, um, they call it File Vault. And you want to make sure that's turned on. And the newest edition of Windows has hard drive encryption standard. But older versions of Windows do not. And you may need to upgrade to a, a more recent um, Windows operating system that does have it. And then what if your hard drive crashes, right? Now you're, you've got a dilemma. So you should be backing up that hard drive. And the same caveats apply that your... Uh, hard drive backup should be encrypted. And that means that if somebody steals your laptop or your your hard drive, if it's encrypted, you have um, incredibly strong defense against any HIPAA claims uh, because uh, they're not, HIPAA is not assuming that nothing bad ever happens. They get that there's badness in the world, but you have to take reasonable measures to protect against it. And by not just having a password on your hard drive, that's really important. A password has nothing to do with encryption because if somebody stole your laptop and it was just password protected, they just take your hard drive out and hook it up to their laptop and then they could see everything. So as long as your hard drive is encrypted and password protected, then you have a really strong um, grounds. And you're also doing the right thing by protecting the your client's data. If you're going to store your charts uh, in the cloud, then you better have a, a business associate agreement signed with, you know, if you're going to do it with Google or Dropbox. And that doesn't just mean like saying, yes, they're HIPAA compliant. You need it in writing and they will send you a signed BAA. Um, to prove it and you'll need that and you need to store that in a, in a safe place so that way if anything ever happens again it you showed that you did your due diligence that's really meaningful but when, when you break down uh your system into um current charts and old charts it just really reduces the cognitive burden on your yeah. brain because then okay now you have your current charts and 
if you're own if you're going to do kind of the easy as you go approach and you're seeing let's say five or eight clients a day then slowly over time you will get there and it doesn't seem as overwhelming but you know if you've been practicing 30 years and you have thousands of old charts um you're going to feel defeated before you even began and right. so um i think it's it's reasonable uh you can always create an if a if an old client comes back into your practice you can always as a one-off create a new chart for them in the new system and go find that old chart exactly. uh, wherever you stored it and, and uploaded it. yeah um so a few other things to think about are billing um calendar um you know we talked a little bit about uh, copying notes in um but um, for billing most systems will allow you to have an enter an initial balance and so um, what i did with my old ehr was i sent them a um, a lifetime statement and that way they had it for their records because you you know if you switch in january and people come to you in december saying oh i need a statement for my records uh, that might be challenging or for for taxes for the following year so I would just send them a lifetime statement. So it was covered. And then I just uh, told them we're moving on to a new system. And can you please uh, enter your credit card info, um, you know, next time you log on. Really, really meaningful to have the patient or client enter their credit card info because then your requirements for PCI compliance plummet and you have to do very, very little. If you enter patient or client credit card info, then your, uh, conversely, your requirements for safe handling that info skyrocket. And so we highly encourage uh, clinicians as part of their practice policies to never enter a patient credit card. And then your, um, your PCI compliance annually is like a minute. You know, it's like 10, 20 questions, check, 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 and you're mm -hmm. done. Mm -hmm. So that's one way to make it simpler. I'm curious, do you remember what you did for your billing? It's a good question. And it was a long time ago, so I can't say that I totally remember. But my best guess, if my mem it, like from really digging deep into my memory, is that, yeah, I just asked all my all my clients to enter their, their credit card. I might have... Yeah, I think I just asked, I, I can't entirely remember, but I'm pretty sure I just asked them to enter their credit card information. Um, I uh, I don't remember about like sending one final statement from like the previous chart to the, you know, before switching to the new chart. Somehow it were I really can't remember, but somehow it, it worked out that like, it was a smooth transition and once the new billing was up and the credit card was up in the new chart then i just started sending super bills from that place and it and it worked out uh so i think it, it really was just as simple as telling a client to go into their chart and put a new put a credit card in and that was it great what about yeah. your calendar Ah, oh, that's a good one. I I also think what I did, and again, this was a really long time ago, so it's hard for me to remember, but I think I just had both the charts open and I personally just went in and created new appointments 
in the calendar. Like it didn't, I didn't have it imported. I'm not sure if that, how that works and you would know better than me, but I think how I did it, because also I tend to, I have a smaller practice. So I, it's, it doesn't take as much time. And I, I tend to be kind of controlling when it comes to my chart. And so I think I just went in and literally put each appointment in the calendar and, you know, clicked repeat if it's a repeat appointment and um, all that kind of stuff. And now, and also that way um, I could make sure that everything was up to date. Cause sometimes I would have like old appointments that uh, needed to be changed to bi-weekly, but I hadn't done it yet. And I was just doing it as I went. So it was a good, it was another, just one of those opportunities where I was like, okay, I can really clean up here. So that's how I did the calendar. Yeah. That sounds similar to my experience where I, and again, I use it as an opportunity to reassess my schedule and yeah. I ended up making some changes in the schedule as I yeah. was recreating the appointments, realizing, Oh, actually, why am I seeing this person at this time? And, um, used it to uh, clean things up a little bit. Uh, yeah, it's not like I see a thousand patients per week, you know, so it didn't actually take that long to set it up. Um, and it's not like you need to set things up for 10 years out. You know, you could at least just set up a month's worth of appointments. Um, that probably wouldn't take too long, but it, it does take a little bit of time. There's no instant uh, calendar creation. And, um, and then, so I, I created the first month's, uh, appointments in the first go around. And then because most of them were, or let's say half of them were recurring, then, you know, it was much faster for months two and on. And, um, this might be, uh, where you could also think about, um, you know, where, will your new EHR EMR assist you with this process? And, uh, do you want them to assist you? Do you want the control over it? Um, but, you know, again, breaking things down into smaller chunks so that way it's not overwhelming. Yeah, exactly. So any other thoughts um, that you have for or advice that you might give um, about the switching process and yeah. the, the pain points in it? Yeah, I mean, my thoughts are to really do your research and take your time figuring out what the best EHR for you is. And if you really find one that you think is going to significantly improve the flow of your practice, um, it's without a doubt, a hundred percent worth it. Um, and you know, the, the, you know, the main thing, all the, you know, just making sure it's what you want. And once you know, I mean, to the best that you can before really using it, that it, is what you want for your practice, definitely I would recommend going for it because it's something that you use every day, potentially for many, many, many years to come. So it's, it's totally worth it. That's interesting. When you think about uh, the different um, tabs you might have open in your browser and how many of them do you keep open all day, yeah. every day, uh, you're, your EHR is like your, um, you know, your companion. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so um, those are good points. Uh, yeah. I, well, yeah. I appreciate your thoughts, Carrie, on this yeah. process and um, invite our um, listeners, uh, if they have questions uh, or 
um, have other strategies that they've found that were useful for them to let us know. And um, we'll put it up on the website and uh, talk about it in our future conversations. So Sounds good. All right. Thanks, Carrie. Look forward to chatting again soon. Thanks. Same here. Bye. Bye. If you like today's podcast and want to hear more, follow us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. And if you have a question you'd like to be discussed on a future podcast, send it to enlightenedpractice at luminello.com. We'd love to hear from you. Until next time.